Welcome to Gather Influence Podcast. Today you get the opportunity to hear from two of our stunning girls in the Gather Voices cohort as we launch again for 2022 with a new cohort of girls, Gather Voices 2.0. We are anticipating such incredible God-ordained connection, community, and catalytic moments for these girls that are gathering with us online month by month over the next six months as guest speakers that are ready and prepared to go. And Kathy hosting this Gather Voices and all her friends that are joining this, this semester and this cohort already prayerfully anticipating such life-changing, to be honest, moments where people truly begin to find, raise, release this God-given voice with inside each and every one of them. Today on this podcast, you are hearing from Laurie Dona-Jones and Eleanor Franklin as they share on their journey, their their voice, the awakening, the the God words that he is giving them right now. They are both in and of themselves just such key voices in our nation. Laurie teaches women week in, week out, month in, month out. And she's in a series right now, which you get to hear a part of today. Eleanor Franklin is a mother and a spiritual director and an incredible friend to so many of us in Gather and and an overcomer in so many ways right now. And so you are again entrusted with the the God move happening in her own soul right now. So you're gonna love these, these talks today from both these women. And I pray as you listen along today, there is just something so sacred for your own personal encounter that God would be awakening something within you explore with us it is actually not too late to join sunday and monday as we launch gather voices for 2022 we love you girls and again may god speak to you through both these women today hello so glad to be here as part of the gather women's collective my name is elena taliotis franklin and a little bit about myself before we begin i am an educator and facilitator first of all, to my children. And I teach Christian spirituality and spiritual formation at the undergrad and graduate levels. I'm a spiritual director, and I also support and develop leadership teams uh, working with groups in a coaching capacity as well as individuals. I have had the great privilege to be a church planter and pastor, and I just love being able to work with groups and individuals towards greater flourishing and wholeness with one another, with God, and within themselves. These are all important vocational expressions of who I am, but to know a bit more about the day-to-day me, I love my friends and my family, I love to laugh, and I adore being outside in nature, whether land or water. I love my country, Canada, and all of its beautiful diversity. I am a writer. I am a cook. I'm a mom and a wife. And I am at once complete 
and very much in process. Thank you so much for the introduction. It is a delight to be sitting and talking with you here today and each of our listeners. I am glad to be here with you. Thank you for listening and I pray that during this time you find places of connection and nourishment and perhaps even wonder and that you be led to consider the goodness of God in your life, even amidst the hardships. What I wanted to chat a bit with you about today is just touching around the idea that life is hard and life is good. And that both of these things exist so often together. It's true that there may be seasons of suffering and seasons of reprieve and refreshment, times of sorrow and times of delight and joy. But a lot of the times I have found that it's not so clearly one way or the other. I may be in a time of suffering, grief and despair, but find delight and joy and goodness in the smallest of things and in big things I may find myself celebrating alongside grieving. The examples are countless, and I'm sure you could think of some to share with me. I think of times where those whom I love have been in a season of trial, strife, and I grieve with them, but also hold to delights of my own. And likewise, where I hold spaces of difficulty where I can rejoice with my friends as well. But most often, the internal experience of holding space for both joy and pain, for grief and delight, is where we can find conflict or dis-ease. But I'd like to encourage you today that that space of tension where we're not sure, is it okay to feel this way or that way? Or which to, to which feeling or emotional landscape do I pay attention to in this particular moment in time? I want to encourage you that with God, all is welcome. To be sure, Jesus is no stranger to the experience of living in these places of tension, of knowing so deeply something that can be both beautiful and painful. The past three years of my own life have been fraught with such dichotomies where I've lived in the space of continually holding delight and despair, joy and suffering. It began with uprooting my family and having to say goodbye to a beautiful and beloved people together with whom we had established deep community in Christ and with whom we were doing life together, all ages and stages. It was marvelous. And after much wrestling and discernment, we responded to an invitation to a new endeavor. A few short months after which we participated briefly in the palliative care of my beloved grandfather. And in another three months, I had to navigate a massive medical crisis where my husband was on the precipice of death, on life support, and in a coma, and then in hospital, 
for three months. I won't go into details here. That will be a story for another day. Today, I want to share with you what's happening in my own heart right now. After that crisis, sometime later, I received a phone call with a diagnosis of cancer. Yes, a phone call. <laughs> it was a startling situation to be sure, but I almost have to laugh at the timing because I happened to be at work and just took a 15-minute break. Wherein the phone rang. I was sitting down in a beautiful garden spot and this is where my doctor told me the news. Now, fast forward a year and two surgeries later, in the midst of preparing for the next treatment, and here we are today. It is a great example of living an experience of embodied tension. And I say embodied intentionally because that is where we experience these tensions in life. I feel it emotionally, I feel it physically, and I feel it cognitively, and I feel it spiritually. I'm a whole being, and what is happening in my life matters to the whole of me, just like the whole of me matters to God. Let me tell you a bit about what this treatment looks like. It's fascinating, and I am at once sad and thankful I am feeling grief over what I'm about to do to my body. I lament that it must be so, that it's the lesser of two evils. And I marvel at the medical advancements that enable me to receive such treatment and that I live in a country where the treatment is not going to cause me to go bankrupt and I have easy access to it. So much to be thankful for. And also so much to grieve. I'm arriving at this treatment broken from years of seemingly incessant trial, not only in my own life, but in the life of my children and my husband and the life of so many others around me. And likely it's something that you can identify with as well. It's been a hard season for a lot of us. And saying that in no way negates or minimizes the incredible beauty of these past few years, where I have watched and delighted in my children growing, where I have seen people flourish and come closer to knowing both God and themselves. So, back to this treatment that's coming up. I will be consuming a radioactive material, which will then search throughout my body and find out the cancerous cells that are lingering around in various places, and it will be kind of like a Trojan horse, or I like to think of it as chemical warfare in my body. I am currently starving my body of a certain nutrient that these cancer cells love. And like a castle under siege being offered a bounteous gift, they are going to go for this gift and only to discover that it is soaked in radiation, hopefully leading to full ablation or death of said cells or said army. And so it follows that in so doing, I myself will become radioactive. I feel a little bit like a superhero. But I'm presuming that I will not necessarily end up with superpowers after this. But while it's working, and in the meantime, I will be radioactive for the better part of a week, 
So much so that my children and our dog need to leave the house and any adult needs to be more than six feet away from me at all times. So this gives me pause. That I'm living in a space that is truly incredible and also can cause harm. And I want to hold those two realities. I want to look at them and attend to them and tend them. Life is good and life is hard. I wonder where you identify with this, where loved ones do, where so many around the world do. And I want to acknowledge together with Jesus and the psalmist that the whole of who you are matters. And to honor those experiences, to name them, to ponder them, these are the places that are often the fuel for creativity and ongoing co-creation with our God. May we let our sorrows be sorrows and our joys be joys and to not judge one or the other and when they arise, but to receive them as the incredibly dynamic expression of humanity and of what it means to be living as whole people, moving onward and upward. Great blessings of peace and joy to you as you go about your day or your evening. You are fully known and you are wholly loved. Sunday morning I woke up pretty convinced that I knew what I would say to you about patience. And yet before 10 a.m., I had already experienced about 10 things that had tweaked my patience and had me pretty agitated. Some were as small as the cat that woke me up, dishes in the sink, the knocking on the bathroom door as soon as I went in, even though we have other bathrooms. By noon, I was wondering if I really knew anything about patience at all. Before we really focus on patience though, I wanna discuss fruit. I wanna take you to John 15 and share with you some of what I have been thinking and reading about regarding living a fruitful life. In John 15 verses one to eight, Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but those words ought to give me pause to think that fruit is a pretty big deal. This week as I studied this scripture, I've been wrestling with this. Even non-believers can show love and patience and have joy and peace. They can show kindness and goodness and gentleness, self-control, and they can also be faithful. Believers do not have a monopoly on these characteristics. They are not exclusive to us, and sometimes non-believers might actually manifest them better than Christians. But the text says we can't be fruitful without Jesus. So this fruit that Jesus is talking about must be something more 
because he clearly says we cannot have these fruits without him. So what's the difference about this kingdom fruit? This year I've known two people who've passed away that were both exceptionally beloved in their communities. Both had what we as a culture would call fruitful lives, lives filled with people who love them. And both made a significant mark on those they touched. Both of them were revered and admired and will be greatly missed. Both of them were something awesome to behold. One knew Christ and the other did not. One is with Christ and the other is not. The truth is that if we aren't with him in life, we won't be with him in death either. But what strikes me is this, does the fruit look the same? Because both of these people had huge impact in the world. They were both amazing people. They both had all the things that we identify as fruit, but one didn't know Jesus. So their fruit wasn't from him. I think the difference lies in the fact that the fruit from the believer will in the end reveal God. How much does that weigh on you? I wonder, if we were to closely examine our lives, are we kingdom fruitful? Do we know the difference? Verse 8 notes that it is to the Father's glory that we are fruitful. This is the purpose of our fruit. So let me ask you, is the fruit in our lives about us or does it point to Him? Are we good or are we godly? As I was asking myself these questions and pondering what the difference was and how you can tangibly see it, I got a call from my mom. She happened to let it slip that she had sent a gift to a particular person. Let's call that person Joe for the purposes of this story. I say let it slip because she knew how I felt about this and that I was not in support. For years, my mom and dad went above and beyond for Joe. Over and over, they showed grace and love to this individual. They rescued Joe many times from trouble and tried to set him on the right path. It's been an ongoing effort of love towards Joe. And in more recent years, their effort has been mostly met with rejection and indifference, and it's been hard and hurtful. Despite this, my mom reached out to Joe again. And to be honest, I was irritated. And I said, why would you bother again? Hasn't it been clear to you that they are not responding? Why would you send them a gift? I was indignant and I thought that that was maybe like a foolish thing to do. And I was impatient. And then she said in a quiet, small voice, because I wanted to show them God's love. And there it was, God, showing me the answer to what the difference was, the tangible manifestation of kingdom fruit. Bam, right in my face. If she had said, because I want them to like me, that would have been about her. But she reached out again because she wanted to point to God. A good person would have given up by now, but a spirit-filled person has the stuff that keeps going, regardless of circumstance or merit. That's why we need his spirit to help us with the fruit. Because it is beyond us to act like Jesus without Jesus. The fruit he's wanting us to bear is the stuff that is beyond our understanding. It's love when it's undeserved or unearned. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience. When the circumstances make no sense, had she listened to me, I would have discouraged her from that action because in my mind, I didn't think that Joe deserved her love and I didn't want her to be hurt again. I didn't think he deserved her ongoing patience, kindness, and goodness towards him. Fortunately for her and maybe for Joe, she didn't listen to me because I don't have the answers God does. She did what the Spirit urged her to do. And I wonder what signs will follow from her obedience. If you are truly a follower of Jesus, the fruit in your life will point to him and glorify God. It's not meant to be accepted or approved by anyone else or even make good sense. That's the difference between being a good person and a follower of Christ. I wonder if sometimes we opt for the first and think it's all he's asked of us. 
As I thought about this, I shamefully realized that I am Job. Didn't God do everything for me, shelter me, nourish me, take care of me, rescue me from my mistakes? And didn't I ignore him? Treat him with indifference, not appreciate a sacrifice for me? Aren't I guilty of the same things that Job is? Didn't God reach out to me even when I didn't deserve it and he probably should have given up long ago on me? But he didn't. He kept in pursuit of me even when it made no sense. He had patience. And truthfully, I have little to none. This has been a convicting week for me as I've asked myself what to say on patience to you. I've realized all the little moments in the last few days where I felt frustrated and agitated over little things and the culmination of all these things are distractions that affect my ability to show any fruit. Patience I don't feel robs me of my joy, my peace, my love for others, any goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control that I might otherwise have. My lack of patience prevents any of these. And pretty soon, I don't look much like a disciple of Jesus. But thankfully, God has patience for me. Fortunately, the vine dresser has a whole lot of patience for us as we grow. God is the epitome of patience, and he is our example. How do we know he is patient? Well, you can't even get through the first book of the Bible without seeing God repeatedly give his people another chance, despite their disobedience. But if we take another look at John 15, Jesus says, He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, and prunes the ones that do, so they will be more fruitful. He tends to the branches. Now, I'm the daughter of a farmer, and I've seen that. I've seen how much the farmer is invested in his crop. I've watched my dad drive around inspecting his fields, watching them, walking them, carefully checking on them and knowing everything about his crop, trying carefully to protect that crop from disease or invading pests. Farmers give all they have up front so that their harvest will be bountiful. Everything depends on it. So Jesus using that imagery is important and knowing that I can feel how patiently God is tending to his people. And I think the patience he's asking of us is one that costs us something too. One that gives it all up front, like Jesus. I think of that moment on the cross where Jesus says, Father, forgive them because they know not what they've done. Imagine the patience and long-suffering of that statement. The example set for us. God's patience with us is his grace. That's what I'd like to leave you with this week, that God's patience towards us is his grace and where would we be without that let us pray today lord thank you for your patience with me and allow me to see that you aren't finished with this story help me to bear fruit that will glorify you i trust that you loved every word that was spirit led spirit breathed in these two women that you heard from laurie and eleanor and so today as you go about your day, your drive, your walk, your clean, your work, whatever it is that you're doing unto the Lord, serving others, serving our nation and beyond, I pray that you would know this calling and invitation to offer the earth more of what God is doing in and through you. Maybe it is your season to join Gather Voices and it's not too late to join this cohort launching this week. Go to gatherwomen.com for much more information and really for your yes, partnering with God's already yes over what he wants to do in and through your voice. We love you.